So look at looking dapper there, Justin. In the uh, thanks, yeah. I see you got the uh, wardrobe message too. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll post a picture maybe in the show notes. Uh, we're both uh, recording in our stampede gear every every year in Calgary. We have a little get together celebrating the stampede, celebrating the summer, and we've uh, got our new new uh, custom colored uh, cowboy shirts and uh, these. For those for those following the uh, the branding changes with Canaccord Genuity over the last year, we changed from uh, having, I guess, some brighter blue colors, right? Blue, teal, green, mm-hmm. kind of San Jose. I call them San Jose Sharks colors. To okay. now, our official yeah. color is black with an accent of lapis lazuli. So these shirts got a nice little <laughs> uh, inner lining with some uh, what's I call again? The paisley yeah. in, in blue, black and blue looks pretty cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the one day of the year or maybe two days where I wear my cowboy hat and uh, got my oversized uh, Canaccord Genuity belt buckle that I got at the party back in 2014. It's probably before your time, Justin. It, it was, yeah. <laughs> probably seen um, some of your coworkers with those buckles, eh? The Canaccord Genuity seen, buckles? Or... I, I've, I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple. And and I think, you know, why why just one day? Just work the entire <laughs> week. Well, if I lived and in Calgary... Know, we used to have our cowboy theme in November every year for the Canadian finals rodeo. And that was, oh, you know, my, I remember my dad took me to that. I got my first cowboy hat back then in the eighties and went to uh, watch the, all those different cowboy events, really fascinating, but that doesn't exist anymore in Edmonton. I think uh, there really is no cowboy left in Edmonton. Officially. I think the color, the official cowboy hat in Edmonton is black, right? Just as much as Calgary's hat uh, official color is white. Well, it's good. I got a black, uh, yeah. black cowboy hat. So I'll wear that uh, next week. I'm down there. I mean, you know, for most of us in Calgary, it, it, I, you know, you may have heard the term before, but I, I do call it like a, a Calgary. It's the Calgary cosplay week, right? Cowboy cosplay. Yeah. And um, you mean it's not it's, like it's, that every uh, week. That's the only time I'm ever in downtown Calgary is during Stampede Week. <laughs> the other 51 weeks, Christmas, we have an exception for, right? But yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, I assume it's it's like on Yellowstone every week down there. Cowboy hats, horses. Wrangling. We, we wrangling here on the weekend, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to the Justin Musings podcast with Justin Lee and Marcus Muse. We're two advisors with CG Wealth Management in Alberta who finish off our weeks connecting over Zoom to discuss the week that was. What's on the agenda this week, Justin? It's the end of June. And so I think it's a time to kind of do a quick little synopsis or summary of, of uh, what happened in the first half of this year. Maybe some thoughts about the second half of this year as well, because it's Canada Day tomorrow. A little bit of sprinkling of Canadian as well. All right. Uh, we're recording the audio a little bit differently this week. So uh, apologies if it doesn't sound as good as usual. We'll uh, see how things work out and, uh, and iron out any kinks in the next uh, next week's episode. And uh, as always, any charts or links that we refer to will be found on uh, my website, muhs.ca slash podcast. Please enjoy our largely unedited and unfiltered discussion for the week. So it's the, it's the last day of June uh, today. It's, it's month end, it's quarter end. We've got the Canada Day long weekend uh, imminently, hours away. And uh, I suppose it's uh, like anything. Well, it's, it's it's somewhat of a you know line in the sand. But half the year, half the year's it's, done. Yeah, the first half of twenty twenty three done already. It's crazy how fast it's gone by. I feel like we say that every year, but yeah. it, it truly it truly has gone by. And um, 
Oh no! Sadly, as we get older, the years just go by faster. It's just how it is. I mean, it's a, it's a smaller percentage of our lives. <laughs> I want to enjoy the weekend, not 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 worry about my age yet. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah. So, so with it being, you know, quarter end or, you know, halfway point in the year, invariably, of course, you know, there'll be uh, uh, strategy pieces out, uh, commentary on what's happened, uh, what is anticipated or potentially may happen uh, for the remainder of the year as well. Uh, but it is, you know, the summer tends to be a bit of a, a, a slowdown for everyone, summer vacation, uh, vacations in general, things of that nature, right? So um, it, it's, it's a good time to kind of just reassess, assess, right? And and so you know, I'm thinking about assessments or or how the year's gone by. What what's been on? What have you recognized or what have you uh, thought of as notable uh, from the first half of the year? Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Tech is back. Growth is back. You know, we had a if you were if you were a growth investor in 2022, you had a pretty depressing year. Big huge decline in the Nasdaq and all those big tech stocks. Um, those, I guess you could say, uh, the animal spirits are back in the market when it comes to technology and growth and all that. And a lot of that's driven by, you know, the hopes of AI and how AI is going to reshape our lives. And there's going to be so much money made and you got some of these stocks. Um, you know, I was looking, I was looking at a couple of tech stocks, like the big names that we all, uh, constantly hear about. And the big one in the news, of course, NVIDIA, which by the way, I did a poll on Twitter. It's, it's, uh, most people pronounce it NVIDIA, not NVIDIA. <laughs> Keep hearing that on the news, like people that probably haven't heard of this company before. It's in NVIDIA, 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 whatever. Mm -hmm. Up 189% year to date. And of course, if you look back, uh, you were sending me some articles uh, the other day, uh, uh, some some analysts talking about NVIDIA back in uh, 2017 or so. And at that time, there was no <laughs> talk about AI. It was just like kind of their, uh, what do they have? Some kind of cloud infrastructure or whatever, eh? I mean, that, that that name in particular has been thrown around as a thematic or a way to play, whether it was video gaming, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pro gaming, whatever you want to call it, um, esports, also autonomous vehicles, right? Because they need they they were starting to use this in terms of uh, um, sensors and whatnot. And crypto mining, uh, crypto mining, of course, right? The the, the GPUs uh, were were far more efficient or effective in in mining uh, crypto assets. And then AI, mm -hmm. and, and so it always it seems to be this per thing where it, it's it's as they say the picks and shovels. It's one of these tools that you need to have, or has been very critical for any one of these themes. And right now, the big theme, uh, and for how long we'll see into the future, is uh, uh, AI. Yeah, but yeah, it's hard to think that like yeah, I was cleaning up uh, some boxes and just getting rid of some old documents, and yeah, 2017, and the the, the article was saying that oh, it's, you know. What are the prospects of that one company? And I think you took a poll, a, a, a timestamp, right? From like June of 2017 to today, what the return was. Cause that article was saying, oh, it, it could double. It could double, you know, in the next little while, but it didn't just double, I guess, over the, the next six years, it, you know, 10 X, huh? And toppled, yeah, a thousand percent over those years. And now, you know, I always got a caution, you know, as usual for mentioning a stock in this, in this uh, podcast, it's not a recommendation to go out and buy it and really, what I fear now is you got a lot of people going out and buying this thing just because of past returns. This thing just went up a thousand percent over the last five or six years. It, um, it's up 189% year to date. It's over a trillion dollars in market cap or just about there. Why mm -hmm. on earth would you go out there as an investor and buy this thing thinking, you know, whatever happened in the past is going to repeat. This is not going to become a $10 trillion company. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong on that, but I yeah. don't think, I I think mean, the odds of it going up 10 times now are a lot slimmer than it, than they were when it was only a, uh, 
you know, less than $100 billion company. Oddly enough, you say that because, you know, the, of the one companies in the, in the trillion dollar club, and there's only a handful of them, mm -hmm. um, I think at some point this morning, Apple hit $3 trillion. They probably right? did again. I was looking at them. They're up year yeah. to date 48%. And that's like the largest company. Right, yeah, public mm -hmm. and it, and that in itself was. I mean, it, it also goes to show you that how much it went down last year to mm -hmm. have a lower base. Any of these names, right? Whether it was, um, uh, you know, Meta, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Google, all the all the Fangma stocks, or maybe what I've I've heard recently is like the Magnificent Seven. I think is one term I heard for these uh, high flyers, right? That are, have really driven the United States um, markets up. But uh, three trillion dollars is a number that even think about a long time ago right not that long just ago. just on meta that was one that dropped a lot last year a lot of people wrote them off like what's mark zuckerberg doing there this whole metaverse thing, is, is metaverse really going to happen um mm -hmm. and it's up uh it's pr probably the second biggest performer of those big names it's up 139 percent year to date of course was down a fair bit the really interesting thing is meta last year became a value stock it became so cheap so uh, some of the uh, the value focused funds i use that overweight towards value overweighted meta at the right time. I mean, I wish it happened on, on more names, but uh, <laughs> uh, at least in that case, that was traded well, just based on on uh, quantitative uh, stuff. But um, yeah, the Magnificent Seven and those seven stocks are really driving most of the market. Uh, we heard from uh, our, uh, our strategist, Tony Dwyer, yesterday saying that the median stock return year to date in the US is some very low number. I forget exactly what number, but maybe it was two point something. Uh, the median stock, mm -hmm. the average stock, um, you know, regardless of size uh, in the U.S. is not up that much this year. It's a flat market. But those mm -hmm. big names, which are a big share of the overall index, so they, they have more effect on its price, obviously, uh, they're behind the um, the increase in the, in the index price. And the index uh, index is up 16.65%. So people are saying we're in a bull market again because it's up 20% from the October lows, more than 20%. Uh, but year to date already, it's up 16.65%. You consider that the uh, the long-term average for U.S. stocks, the very, very long-term average is a bit under 10%. Um, if, it, if it finishes the year at this level, it's an above average, well above average year for it. So don't be surprised mm -hmm. if it pulls back in the second half. Otherwise, it's really just making up for last year. Maybe we'll get 20%, who knows? But, um, <laughs> so yeah, this so, is the challenge, so yeah. That, again, that 16.65% is very much uh, because of... Uh, those uh, those big names. Actually, there is a an equal weight index. I think it's RSP, yeah, Invesco S and P five hundred equal weight index in, in U.S. dollars. EQL, I believe, is the Canadian uh, currency version. Yeah, currency yep. version. Yep. So yeah, equal weight Invesco, six percent, six percent year to date. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I looked up a couple of ETFs, a couple of Canadian ETFs to track various markets, so that we know actual returns in Canadian dollars too. I think mm -hmm. the Canadian dollar was pretty flat this year, right? Like 70, it's always been around 75, 76 cents. So uh hasn't had too much of an impact. But yeah, so I looked up uh, Canadian ETFs uh, for various things. So this way we have actual total return numbers if you actually invested. Always know that whenever someone's talking about indexes, and it's mentioned in our disclaimer at the end too, that you, you cannot invest in an index. You can invest in an ETF that tracks the index. And there's usually a little bit of a tracking error and costs and so forth. But that's right. So yeah, U.S., uh, if we looked at the U.S. all markets, uh, VUN is the ticker, Vanguard U.S. total market ETF, 12.21%. And that's a little bit lower than that S&P 500 number because it weights a little bit less to the biggest names and includes every stock in the U.S., all 3,000 or so. 
Uh, meanwhile, Canada up 4.75%. So Canada, not so good this year. Of course, we didn't go down as much last year. That's a, that's a good thing. That's right. We're not as heavy in tech. So those various bank stocks, energy stocks are obviously, uh, they've had a crappy year to date. So we, we talked about that in a past episode. So we'll see what things are like next week on the streets of Calgary. If it's as jubilant as it was exactly a year ago when we were there. I, su- I suspect not. I mean, granted last year, what happened was it was sort of a pent up thing too, right? Yeah. Um, a full, a full on uh, stampede, but also, yeah, if I remember correctly, oil was uh, the, the price of WTI was closer, closer to a hundred than, than where it was, uh, where it is today, kind of hovering just under around $70. So, I mean, the sentiment last year had more of an LFG vibe. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. And so we'll, we'll see. Well, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a good indicator. Like, again, there's boots on the ground research or what, how, what have you, right? But um, it, it is a good sentiment check to see, you know, who uh, is spending, uh, who is entertaining, uh, who is, uh, you know, relative to last year, what, what kind of uh, event are they doing, relatively speaking, right? And, and just, again, attendances and, and exuberance and just, yeah, the, the, the conversations. Those are the sort of the soft uh, research that you can actually do uh, on an event uh, like Stampede Week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with those returns the year to date, I mean, it's all you know in the rearview mirror in, in some senses. And you know, you talked about Tony yesterday, and our you know our chief market strategist. He basically he put his hands up in the air when the question was posed to him, and he's like, "What's going to happen?" He's like, "I don't know." And there's nothing wrong with saying mm-hmm. "I don't know." That's the and, best and thing to say because it's true, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some indications. You know, he had mentioned it would be a historical aberration in some senses, right? That there would, if there is no real recession, right? After, you know, the, the yield curve inversion or one of the indicators, right? Um, the, but market's doing well, the market is not the economy as well, right? but even in, in Canada too, like, you know, we're gonna see people spending, right? Um, I actually just got off the phone this morning with somebody who flew back from Ontario and I, you know, his flight was full. Summer vacation is here upon us uh, and, or the time to take vacations is there and i suspect that uh all the planes will be full uh all the play typical campgrounds are going to be full um the con the unemployment rate is still quite low right it's not as high as it could be going entering a recession or in a recession and so you know the economic indicators are, are showing that it's still strange right like there should be we should be suffering a little bit more right? in some senses right the economy should be suffering a little bit more but no you look at the yeah, the airplane stocks, the the cruising cruising stocks, they're all you know near are all fifty two week highs. Talking about travel, I have uh, two sets of uh, European uh, visitors coming up in July visiting, and that I think is pent up too. I think a lot of, I mean, these are German and Austrian, and uh, you know, I think a lot of them have sort of delayed their planned trips in the last couple of months, and uh, yep. or sorry, last couple of years. And yep. there's going to be a lot of them. I'm uh, after our Stampede events next week. I'm going to be driving through the Rockies over to BC and. Uh, I dread that highway. <laughs> it's going to be pretty crowded, I think, through Banff. Uh, we'll see. I know it's going to be one of those years if you're driving down the Icefield Parkway, uh, which I won't be, yeah. but that where you're basically bumper to bumper going at a slow pace. I have an aunt visiting from Korea as well uh, in August, August, September, and that's pent up over yeah. the you know number of years as well. So to your point. That's going to be one of the big uh, drivers of the Alberta economy, I think, this year is all that uh, tourism. And, you know, in the last couple of years, maybe there was some extra local tourism because of the sort of stay at home vacations, because you weren't, it wasn't as easy to fly places, but these European mm-hmm. tourists that come here with a lot of money. So I think, I think the European tourists coming here, that's better uh, on a, on a person by person dollar spent. Um, yeah, I would, I, I would probably agree. Yeah. yeah they want to live their Western cowboy uh, um, dreams, right? 
they don't tip as well, but uh, they, they will spend more <laughs> in accommodations, I think. So for the second half of this year, I mean, again, we're, we're just throwing darts in, in, in some senses, but uh, high level, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I just mentioned, sort of mean reversion. I wouldn't be surprised if the second half of the year is not as good as the first half of the year for the markets. So maybe the second half averages right. out the first half. Although, like I said, too, 2022 could be a year, or sorry, 2023 could be a year that averages out 2022's very terrible performance. You know, you see, too, in, in some of these numbers for the year to date, you know, we talk about the U.S., especially technology doing so well. That was the worst mm -hmm. performer last year. But also yep. last year, um, and over the last 20 years, for that matter, European stocks have not done so great. Same with Japan. And uh, in the year to date, we've seen, seen them do at least a lot better than Canada. I'm um, looking at some of the year-to-date numbers for some Vanguard ETFs that are in those areas, Canadian listed, so returns in Canadian dollars. The uh, the Europe ETF, VE, is up 9.3%. Uh, the uh, Japan, BMO Japan ETF, Vanguard doesn't have one, up 10.2% year-to-date. And um, and the all-world, Vanguard uh, VXC, Vanguard, Vanguard Global All Cap, up almost 10% year-to-date, so it's pretty good. Emerging markets have been weak, so if I was going to make a, uh, a guess, although they were they were an area too that didn't do as badly last year, so it all kinds of, kind of averages out. You know, it's it's impossible to guess. You know, where should we invest? Or, you know, which which regions of the world should we kind of tilt towards? Because it seems like in the very very long term, you've probably seen those those reports from Credit Suisse, right? Those those yearbook reports where they look at every single uh, region in the world, super super mm -hmm. long term returns, and they all average out like eight to ten percent. You know, I think maybe Australia is a little higher. South Africa is a little higher over the very, very long term. <laughs> of course, the U.S. is one of the better markets, but um, it, it all averages out. And, you know, if one area of the world does well for a year, it's probably the area that's not going to do well in the near term. Uh, it's important to just be exposed to everything, everything in the world, and just kind of have faith that when bad stuff does happen, things eventually pass and average out. I will tell you one thing, I will not, I would not bet a lot of money on uh, U.S. tech stocks right now. The reason for that is there, there, there's a lot of factors against them, like the high interest rates, that high, I guess the high discount rate when it comes to discounting future earnings, which a lot of those growth stocks are, are valued on. Mm -hmm. That's still a huge negative for them. Um, they, they, they aren't, the, the high, high multiples are not justified at these interest rates. It, right now, it's just kind of that AI thing, that the, sort of the the gung-ho-ness about uh, buy, wanting to buy AI stocks, that's that's really pushing those prices up, I think. Momentum, whatnot. Yeah. I had a conversation with uh, uh, a CEO of a gold company earlier this week. And one of the things I asked him was, in that sector, in the precious metal sector, uh, an area where people put, would be a safe haven in terms of an inflationary environment or just uncertainty, right? Um, has there been a noticeable trend or do they recognize that in lieu of something like gold historically right that people are now or allocators or investors mm -hmm. are now for a flight to safety are actually moving to the largest among the most profitable companies in the world who can pass along inflationary costs to their consumers with with very little impact to their um, revenue and in fact maintain their margins right so for example uh, microsoft would be one of those large companies right um fully large blue chip has a growth tilt, you know, invested in AI, what have you, right? But also if they increase, you know, Microsoft 365 by a dollar a month or extra, uh, no one is going to cut that membership or no one's going to cut that, the usage of it, right? If you, let alone, you know, $5, whatever the case may be, right? So the flight and Apple, another example, we talked, I mentioned before that 
consumer goods, you know, expensive products, uh, high demand integrated in many people's lives, uh, my life included as well. And, uh, and so, you know, pays a marginal dividend, but is a flight to safety because it's the largest, most liquid company out there. And, and so in lieu of a brick of gold or an EFT that tracks gold or a gold company, uh, that money, because they have to be invested in equities, are moving more towards um, these highly profitable, let's not forget that, highly profitable companies that does just so happen to be the largest companies in the world too. And he, he agreed. He, he agreed. He said there is some of that, but hard to quantify. There's a degree of safety in, in investing in price makers instead of price takers. And For sure. you know, perfect example here in Alberta, we know what it's, what it's like to be a price taker. That means, you know, energy stocks, resource stocks, the Alberta economy does well when the price is high of whatever we sell and it's low, you know, when it's low, we don't do so well to be in companies like you mentioned, Microsoft, Apple, and so forth. They, they, they set the prices. I mean, there's, yep. so there's some factoring of consumer demands, but their products yep. seem to be very much in demand. Netflix, they increased, you yeah. know, Netflix just quickly, yeah. they got rid of the uh, uh, password sharing. And guess what? Revenues went up because a, a certain amount of people had new subscriptions. Yeah. But, um, you know, when, when everybody's piling into these things um, yeah. and, and the valuations go higher and higher, we just get the nifty 50 all over again, right? Like that's what people thought back then that there was these blue chips that everyone, uh, you know, they, they couldn't do wrong. And, and over the very long term, most of those blue chips back in the day, if you, if you remember the nifty, but you know, so they were com- to the audience, they were yeah, companies like, um, I mean, I know like Disney, General Electric, uh, blue chips. So yeah, American Express, Anheuser-Busch, Baxter, Black & Decker, Bristol Myers, you know, and there were some in there, obviously, that didn't work out so well, like Eastman Kodak. And uh, <laughs> um, and most of them, if you don't know the names, if you see the list and don't know the names, uh, they've been taken over by other companies. So you did well owning most of them for the long term. But there was a period of time in the 1960s when everybody was piling into the same companies because they were seen as those big stalwarts that could do no wrong. Their valuations became you know, stratospheric. And, um, and then of course there was a big crash in the 1970s and these companies, you know, when the markets crashed, these companies crashed extra hard because so much extra money had gone into them, pushing the prices that much higher. And, you know, if we, if we keep investing that way, I just see that happening again right now with the nifty 50 or basically the nifty seven that you mentioned, maybe plus some more. And, you know, if everyone too is only focusing on owning S and P 500, not looking at owning the entire world or owning this, you know, smaller cap, mid cap companies as well then then we, we end up being you know extra extra weighted towards those large cap growth companies and the very long term even though large cap growth has been a great place to be in the last 10 years the very long term is an underperformance in in that sort of factor space so we'll see how things pan out right yeah one thing i one thing in particular and i'm not making a call or anything but one thing i'd like i'm, I'm curious to see the the results of is actually what will happen with uh with Bitcoin in the second half of the year. And the reason why I bring that up is because recently uh, in the United States, there's been a lot of contention. In Canada, you can actually buy or invest in uh, ETFs that uh, track uh, the price of Bitcoin yep. uh, spot, yep. not future, not, not, not future futures contracts. And in the United States, they don't. And the, um, the Securities uh, Exchange Commission there has, has been debating slash fighting about that for a very long time. And there's there some, some political lawsuits. machinations behind that too, but there is some rapid For change sure. in that area. Potentially. And the reason is, is because, and the reason I bring it up is because uh, BlackRock, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The largest or one, you know, aside from Vanguard, like the two largest ETF uh, providers by far, 
uh, came out with uh, a filing to have a Bitcoin ETF. And then quite quickly, you know, Wisdom Tree, another major ETF provider, mm-hmm. um, I believe uh, Fidelius. So then they all started coming out and uh, with these. And BlackRock, you know, apparently, you know, they've got a very good success rate of, of asking for and then receiving approval for these certain these ETFs. I think they're, they're, well they're well over five. Yeah, they're over 500 something approved and like one disapproved in, in their history, right? So um, if they all of a sudden came out with uh, with a filing to have a Bitcoin ETF, what that will likely do is that will probably roll into, well, obviously it'll be easier for people to invest in it. Um, they can add it into whatever type of investment account they will have. Uh, if it happens to get rolled into a, a model, right? A, a certain allocation in say one of their target date funds or and, you know, I think Fidelity is already starting to do that. Right, then the demand automatically will drive, will increase uh, usage of those ETFs or these proposed ETFs. And you know, they always talk about Bitcoin with a maximum supply chain, so a supply amount out there. So I'm kind of curious to see if, if all of a sudden, like the largest ETF provider has come up with um, a request to have one, will they actually get one this year or not? And if so, what will happen? Because right now, Bitcoin's probably around just over thirty thousand uh, dollars uh, in price in USD. And should these ETF, and I think a large, a lot of that has come up recently because of this interest and and yep. some uh, momentum uh, in in that space. But I'm curious to see what will end up happening. So that's one major thing uh, that's that's in my mind. Just on that, you know, we take for granted in Canada. I just looked it up. We have seven different Bitcoin ETFs available in Canada. Um, <laughs> that's that's sort of take care. There's U.S. dollar versions yeah. of some and, and Canadian yes. dollars. Yeah. So I'm getting rid of duplicates, but there's seven. Yeah. And I, I own one of them on my TFSA. It's obviously not being a good investment. <laughs> it just gives me a little bit of, it gives me someone who has no idea how to, how to purchase Bitcoin on some kind of exchange or to, to have my own, mm-hmm. was it a cold wallet? If you have it in your own yep. sort of whatever wallet, oh, I, I don't know how that yeah. works. And uh, mm-hmm. for me to be able to just buy an ETF uh, in my TFSA that, you know, that works for me. But uh, I think the big change in the U.S., is uh, what's happened in the aftermath of FTX, you know, getting back to something that's not been in the news that much this year, but we talked mm. a lot about it last year, right? Or was mm. it the beginning of this year that we were taught that that all happened? Mm, more last year, but it, it's been going on. It, they've all blended, whether it's Coinbase yeah. or FTX or Binance, so, and the, the whole sector has had issues over the last couple of years, yes. So one thing we know about uh, what Sam Bankman-Fried was doing, uh, what FTX was doing is that they made some pretty huge donations, political, political donations uh, over the years. And I kind of wonder, what might be what might have been holding up uh, Congress in the U.S. from sort of approving changes necessary in order to approve Bitcoin ETFs? And again, that's um, mark-to-market daily trading liquid Bitcoin ETFs because mm-hmm. there there is other stuff that you know trades like you mentioned trades the futures, but the stuff we have in Canada that they don't have in the U.S. What was holding up that? And I think a lot of it has to do with not just FTX but other crypto exchanges. We're doing some lobbying, doing you know some doing some strategic. Ooh, are you making a dotted line connection to to lobbying <laughs> and, and the effectiveness of lobbying? How dare I? I just How suspect dare. there's less. There's going to be less resistance now against a proper uh, liquid uh, Bitcoin ETF. And you're right; mm. those could those those applications from uh, from BlackRock, Fidelity, etc., uh, might get approved. And then suddenly there is a really easy way for the general public to purchase. Um, uh, Bitcoin, just to have that exposure to it. Again, it's probably a terrible investment, but uh, if, if you want to just be able to have that 1%, 5% exposure, whatever in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Fidelity, even some of their top guys even <clears throat> recommend having at least one or 2% exposure in your overall portfolio. 
um, that's going to be more possible for the average person in their average investing account without having to risk yep. it, you know, with some kind of crypto exchange, which we found is, you know, has, yeah. has its risks. I think, and, I think that point, yes, is right. People would be much more comfortable if a BlackRock or a Wisdom Tree or whomever came out with uh, a, a vehicle to invest in that rather than having to deal with uh, a, a very you know, spotty track record of these exchanges and, and having um, crypto assets over there. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really up in the air what, what effect that might have on some of the publicly traded crypto exchanges out there, not to name any. Will they lose a ton of business because of that? Or do they gain a lot of business because they're the ones probably behind the scenes doing the crypto exchanging for these, these ETFs? So whether it's custody, um, you know, services or, or of that nature, absolutely. Right. So um, again, it, it's one of these, like, you know, it, it was the talk of the town at, at some point a, a few years ago, it, it's kind of gone away and, and there are things that are continuing to progress in that sector. Uh, and uh, again, interesting. Thing. I'm, I'm wondering what, what may have happening in, in the second half of the year on that. The other thing I'm curious about is I'm curious to see, of course, how energy does uh, in, in, uh, in general. And, uh, you know, nat gas is sort of in dumps and oil is sort of where it's at, right? But, you know, us being here in Alberta, uh, I, I am curious to see. And, and to a certain extent, unfortunately, I, I am curious because there have been a number of layoff announcements over the last uh, month or so uh, in Calgary with some of the larger energy companies out there. And I'm wondering if that's not just a trend or sorry, if that's just not uh, in, in, uh, idiosyncratic again. And that, mm -hmm. that maybe end up being a, a trend uh, that is going to happen with some of the other operators uh, uh, in here in, in this province. Yeah, so not, TBD not once, yeah. And, and because if one or two start doing it and, you know, you have a producer and then you have a, a pipeline company making announcements, then it almost then kind of makes it fair game or consideration for their peers to consider to do a similar action as well. And that of course then trickles down to the services and to the contractors, whether engineering or IT or whatnot, right. Uh, afterwards. And, uh, and so I feel like that door has started to be open and uh, I'm curious to see if there's going to be other announcements, uh, particularly again, here in Calgary, you know, I, I don't suspect Cold Lake, Grand Prairie, Fort McMurray are going to have major layoffs. Uh, they may have a little bit, but uh, I'm curious to see what uh, the uh, corporate uh, corporate world is going to look like uh, in a few months time, maybe yeah. after summer, when summer happens is over and people come back to work uh, or back to school in, in the fall. Yeah, and oil prices, that's another one that confounds a lot of the analysts out there that are that focus on oil. And of course, a lot of them are very <laughs> bullish, permanently bullish on oil. But, you know, the fundamentals, I don't get why it's not higher. Um, you look at some of those fundamentals, maybe I, I, I listen too much or I, I, I see too many tweets from Eric Nuttall. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just pulled up a chart of the uh, U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve here, and I'll, uh, I'll put this in the show notes, too. Um, it, it's it's the lowest it's been since um let's go back to 1983 um is this so maybe are we going to transition completely to evs in the next 10 years um and in turn we will we won't need to have or the us won't need to have a strategic petroleum reserve this is a reserve that in for a lot of the last 20 years or so had over 600 million barrels of oil stored underground it's down to 348. And even with these low oil prices, the US is still drawing oil out of it. They paused for a little bit, but they're, they are again drawing oil out. And what, what happens to the price when that draw stops? That draw, which I think is, you know, getting up to like a million barrels a day or something like that. Or what happens when that stops, when that stops being drawn from, or when they decide, okay, for, you know, long-term strength of the nation, you know, for, you know, in case we, 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 we aren't able to import, 
um, we need to refill this thing. And, um, and they start putting, putting oil back in. What's that going to do to the price of oil? And from OPEC, we don't hear anything really about them increasing supplies, right? They're mostly kind of talking about maybe cutting back supply, holding it back. And often the, the supplies that they, that they say they're going to produce, they fall short of too, from what I hear anyway. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, there's hard to keep compliance within that group, it seems, right? Uh, adhering to targets and such. And then I think that the price of Brent oil right now is lower than what it was when the Saudis first announced, you know, a month, two months, a few months ago that they were gonna, you know, lower their own their own production. So there's an interesting thing happening there too. And, you know, we all, we all thought that with Russia kind of being taken out of the, uh, the oil markets, mm -hmm. Uh, for the most part, that that would cause an increase in oil prices, but there's 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 belief that there's sort of phantom oil exports happening from Russia, undocumented, I guess, to some countries oh. that shouldn't be trading with them. I don't and think it's just that one country. Yeah, and that's that's taken. Like we know they're trading with India and China and whatnot. They're allowed to do that, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, other countries, and in turn, that's taking some demand off of legitimate imports from you know non-terrorist countries. Mm -hmm. So, oil always interesting for this province, right? You know, when I think about Canada as a whole, um, oddly enough, I mean, I, you know, I had to kind of look at the numbers again. So right now in, in Canada, energy is about a 70, 17% weighting of the overall market, which is, you know, a little bit lower than I'm used to seeing, you know, it's usually 20% yeah, sort of idea, right? You know, the financials are still well over 30. Uh, and then your uh, materials, you know, your, whether it's basing, your mining companies, essentially the commodities, right? So that those sectors uh, all together combined are, are still over 60%. It's not 66 or 70, but it's still over 60% of the Canadian uh, market cap. And uh, so there's still, but energy is yeah, down lower than what it used to be. And financials have been sort of hit too, right? Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if it, if there were, obviously if there was a recovery or in, in the uh, equity prices of these uh, energy companies, then it'll, fairly quickly get over 20% again, right? But uh, um, yeah, 60% for those three sectors seems, I wanna say relatively no, rel low relative to the, the, you know, the past decade or so, right? Considering, but I, I, I'm, I'd like to see what happens. Those stocks, they move so quickly and it's, you know, it goes from feast to famine so quickly too, as we saw in the last couple of years, but even on like week from weekly, week to week news, month to month news, there's so many, uh, so much back yep. and forth. So we'll see what happens there. Nat gas too, uh, with with uh, the hot weather in, in much of North America, probably Europe too. Uh, um, there's there's thinking maybe that will draw some more nat gas into power generation and could help that price out. And if you're a nat gas bull, you better hope for a cold winter. <laughs> hot summer, cold winter, right? Extremes. So, but it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's been a. I mean, we could talk about. Uh, in, in number of topics uh, from the first six months, right? But uh, I, I suppose one of the more interesting things you always have to remind yourself, or I remind myself is, is that we, there will be something that no one is really accounted for, right? There will be something that happens uh, in the second half of this year that is not in a model, that is not maybe a footnote at the moment. It's not, a, you know, one of the top five points, you know, in, in the executive summary of any of these commentaries and something like that will occur. And uh, it invariably does. And it's that, that's sort of the, Part of the speculation is that what could that be right what you, what don't you know that we don't know yeah case in point could you have predicted a, a, an attempted coup in russia over the weekend <laughs> probably not no it was probably not my uh my the first thing that came uh came to uh you know in january no and might there be might there be some fallout from that that you know that could be changing some of the narrative coming from that part of the world hopefully i think for that's better. still a very dynamic thing yes mm -hmm. yeah um so We'll see. I mean, with the market-wise, uh, so many things occur, and this is why it's, it's such a fascinating world, right? It, you know, international issues eventually, in some form, you know, 
become local conversation. And with that, there's so many moving parts, right? Like, you know, as we've discussed that it, it makes for, you know, a review of investments, you know, are they topical? Are they uh, timely? Do they, some of it is bluster. Some of it's just merely headline news, but some of it like, you know, for example, this AI thing has made a noticeable impact uh, on some people's investments. And, and for the moment, it's, it's not just a weak fad. It's, it's been going on much longer. It'll probably be with us well into next year too, right? So there is basis in these conversations in some form. You know, it's funny actually. Well, one of the uh, one of the um, one of my colleagues uh, here in Calgary asked me, you know, it's a sign of like a bull market or maybe even a bubble when you see BlackBerry up sixty percent on a year to date basis too, I saw right? That. Yeah, I think Shopify's been up eighty percent. Is up eighty percent today. Uh, sorry, year to date uh, as mm-hmm. the first six months, and so it's crept back into the top ten uh, of of Canada. It, it's not number one, <laughs> not yet. It's number nine, I believe. It's larger than BC or Bell, Bell Canada, wow. um, but it's uh, still behind at the moment. Um, Bank of Nova Scotia and Bank of Montreal, but it's come back into the top into the top ten. And so when I think about Canada Day. Yeah. That shifts the allocation so much in, in even just the Canadian index, you know, uh, where we at Shopify is the biggest holding at like seven or 8% uh, a few years ago. And yeah. energy had almost nothing. And then, it, you know, that kind of flipped, but yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. Technology right now is just about a 7% weighting in Canada, which is, I think almost like, aside from like the, you know, what happened with shop uh, previously, but it, you know, there's other names behind Shopify as well that are in, in, in technology. And there are some Canadian champions or ones that are doing relatively well that aren't necessarily household names. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see if that hits double digits, uh, if it does again, when, but uh, when I think about Canada today, I do think about, yeah, in a certain extent, Canadian champions. I think about things that are very Canadiana. I am curious actually to find out uh, what the levels are of the national strategic reserve for maple syrup. Uh, that hasn't come up in a while. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious if Quebec's been able to build that stockpile up again, because um, it's a lot more expensive at breakfast these days, right? Not just uh, not just with the maple syrup, but yeah. I Calgary's got a lot of those stampede breakfasts coming up next week too. Eh? It needs a lot of maple syrup. You know, it's good quality breakfast when it's real maple syrup and not, uh, not the uh, other syrup. I didn't know there was another kind. Uh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Corn syrup? <laughs> they, they do like maple oh, yeah. or, corn syrup or something? Yeah, something corn syrup uh, based, right? Uh, no, maybe maple flavored, maple flavored syrups as well. That is an, an, affront, an affront to Canadiana. More so even than uh, like using cheese on, on, uh, on poutine instead of cheese curds like sprinkle cheese like that yes. that's that's Matzah. what that is like anyways <laughs> so in terms of canada day aside from thinking about the maple syrup reserves uh i i am actually going to be hitting one of the more notable uh places in canada and that's a uh bam uh, we're gonna be doing some camping this weekend and uh i'm sure I actually got know, a campground in in banff i i have I did not. Um, admittedly, I have a friend who likes uh, taking control or reign of, of camping <laughs> uh, logistics, and all I need to do is say yes, we'd like to come, and there's a, a spot for us. So, thank you, uh, friend out there, and who are remain nameless for today, but you know who you are. And uh, yes, we, we will be enjoying uh, the national parks uh, this weekend. How about yourself? Very nice. Oh, some family stuff. I also do something really boring every Canada Day. I do a credit check on myself. <laughs> Just as a personal finance uh, tip, uh, that's that's when I do my, my my once a year, you know, check for fraud. As you know, I've had some of that happen in the last very recently. Yes, start a trend. Hashtag that. Hashtag that. Credit check Canada Day or Canada, Canada, Canada Day. Yeah, if you're not doing it like on the first of the year, do it in the middle of the year. 
And it's free nowadays at the major credit bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion. I think they even give you the score for free now. They used to not. I get my score anyways through, through my bank. It's on a banking app. Um, I'll have that yeah. as a takeaway. Thank you, Marcus. I will check my <laughs> credit score as well this weekend and get back to you on that. Yeah. Let's, comp let's compare scores next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We'll have a happy candidate long weekend. All right. Any views discussed in this podcast are those of the presenters or any guests and not necessarily those of Canaccord Genuity Corp. Statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice and under no circumstances should be construed as a solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views expressed are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial circumstances, or general need of any individual organization or institution. Investing in equities is not guaranteed, values change frequently, and past performance is not an indicator of future performance. Investors cannot invest directly in an index. Index returns do not reflect fees, expenses, or sales charges. Please do not hesitate to contact us should you want to know more about anything discussed in this podcast. CG Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investor Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.